0: Um, well, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, the title of today's message is going to be uh, uh, God's Perfect Love. And uh, uh, if you all don't mind, it's going to get a little bit personal just because I'm going to talk about my personal story and, and kind of how I got uh, from, uh, you know, growing up in my family's house to, to where I am now. Uh, and I'm, I'm still not there yet, I haven't arrived, and I don't think I'll ever arrive. Uh, but uh, what I try to do is try to get a little bit better each day uh, to get more, uh, to follow God just a little bit better. Okay, so um, so if you don't mind, let's go ahead and pray before we start here. Lord God, I pray what I say today are not just my words, but you speaking through me by your Holy Spirit. Give this message impact, not for my glory, but for your glory, and to equip your people and build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I, uh, as I said before, I'm I'm honored and humbled to speak to you today. Uh, this is my first time doing something like this, so many thanks uh, to Doug for the opportunity, and for you too, because you're stuck listening to me. So, but again, uh, what we said is this: uh, the title of this message is uh, uh, "God's Perfect Love," and uh, you'll see uh, why why I've called it this. Uh, just because uh, I am not the uh, the model kid, uh, especially at the beginning of my life, but uh, through God's perfect love, uh, you know, He's molded me into something better, and, he's, and it's not just me. Uh, I'm hoping as I tell you this story that each one of you can kind of uh, pick a piece of the story or parts of the story that kind of apply to you as well. All right. Okay, so today I'm going to talk to you about some things. Actually, five things. All right. So if you're taking notes and you're taking notes, these are the five key things that I want you to take away, uh, and we'll get to them as as we roll through. I've learned in my short 41 years of life. So normally in my squadron, I'm the oldest one there. So I don't know. I'm maybe I'm a little bit more on the younger side here, but uh, but anyways, and uh, I still got more to learn, but. You can also say I'm going to talk about my, my testimony about God's grace, sovereignty, and love in my life and my family's life. Uh, what I'd like to bring up here is uh, all the stuff I'm about to say, trust me, it's not about me bragging on myself because uh, there's a whole lot more that I've done wrong than right. Uh, and the stuff that's come good out of it is because of God giving me those second, third, fourth, fifth, and on and on chances to, to kind of fix it. So. Um, as I said before, I'm not a preacher. I haven't gone to school for this. I'm standing up here today uh, just as a witness, a witness of what God has done for me and my family. So we'll start with that. This is number one. We are all called to be God's witnesses. And uh, just so y'all know that uh, uh, I'm not making this up, I will reference the good book, the Bible, okay? So you know, it's just not me saying it, it's, it's, it's for real, it's in there. So. Uh, so I feel all right talking to you guys today because uh, we're all called to be witnesses, Uh, Whether it's me speaking up here or any one of you speaking up here, uh, it's okay. We don't need special credentials. You just need to be a witness for God. So uh, Acts 1.8 says, and I'll tell you a few uh, of these uh, verses that kind of pertain to being God's witness. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what that was trying to say was, you're going to be my witnesses here in the local area, in the suburbs, and then everywhere else is essentially the, transition, uh, the translation for that. 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, honor Jesus, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So we're not God's lawyers, but we are his witnesses. So don't be afraid to to tell anybody uh, that you come across uh, the reason for your joy and the reason for your peace. Uh, Through my life, I've gotten more peace, even though things have gotten, I think Delano would agree, things have gotten a little bit more crazy, at least over the last three or four years, but uh, there there has been more peace. Um, Acts 22.15 says, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. 2 Timothy 2, 1-3 uh, through three says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, will be able to teach others also, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So I like that one because it talks about soldier, military, all that stuff. I think that's cool. All right. So... Um, Again, and I'll hit a couple points over and over again. The reason I'll do that is because, A, I think they're important. And uh, if I say it more than once, then a better chance that you'll remember. So the big picture is God has blessed me and my family despite my rebellion. But why has he done that? You know, why has he done this? I mean, why, why has he blessed us when I've clearly screwed up lots of times? To answer this question, we're going to look at it step by step. All right. So now we get to the part of me that my wife loves so much, which is the details and, and how I, I go through things logically and everything else. It's great. Not for all things, but for some things. So, um, so part of this is a, a disclaimer. It's not my fault. See, my, my father was an electrical engineer. My only sibling, my brother, he was an electrical engineer. And by my schooling, uh, does anyone want to guess? I'm an electrical engineer, yes. Uh, and I, I did that at the Air Force Academy, got that. So let me start off like all good engineers do. We're going to start by stating our facts and assumptions. I've got five of those. These are different five than the other five we talked about. Let me know if you agree with them as we go through them, okay? Okay, number one, God knows everything. Does anybody agree with that? Okay. That also means that he's smarter than you or me, okay? All right, number two, God made everything, okay, which means... He knows the best way for everything in the universe to work together. So he knows everything. He made everything. He knows how all this stuff works. That's great. Okay. God loves me and you. Okay. That should be evidence enough just by Jesus himself, but there's lots of other reasons too we'll get to, which means he has the best in mind for each of us. So he knows everything. He made everything and he loves us. So that's good. So number four, since God loves us, he wants us to be blessed so he told us how we should live our life. How did he do that? In his word, by writing it down in his book, the Bible. So it sounds like a good deal, seeing it. The Bible, good book, has all the secrets there. It's not hidden from you. This is a good deal. All right, so last one. So what about this Bible? God does not lie. So everything he wrote in his book is true. It's the infallible word of God. It is the formula to follow for the perfect life that God has planned for you. And this is a military term. It's the commander's mission type orders for you. Okay, Yes, sir. That's it. So, so you're like, okay, that sounds great. So then the question comes, so why don't we follow God's word all the time? So we went through all this and it sounds like a good deal and you should probably follow it, right? Well, I think you all know the answer to that. It's, at least I'll, I'll, I'll use me as an example. It's pretty much due to pride and selfishness, if you want to boil it all down. It's uh, pride, selfishness, maybe a little bit of fear, is why we decide that, uh, well, I know God says to do it this way, but I think I'm going to do something different. So, so I'm going to tell you, uh, as I told before about uh, the first part of my life, was a little bit more dominated uh, by pride and selfishness. So I'm going to tell you the story of my pride and selfishness, which led to despair, but the good part is, but and, but after that, ran, led to repentance and turning back to God, okay? Now, I know Delana, in some of the times that she's talked, she's she's touched on some of these uh, examples and some of these, uh, these issues, I guess, uh, and she's told it from her perspective. So um, the great thing about God is when He has a situation or event happen, uh, you know, we're very one-dimensional sometimes. We can only see it for a specific angle on why is He doing this, but... Uh, like I said, going back to point one, he's smarter than us, he knows everything. He can, with one event, fix a whole bunch of things all at the same time. And so, with a couple of the events we'll talk through, uh, it's helped Delana with her walk, it's helped me with my walk, uh, my children, and then a lot of the other people that we've come in contact with, because uh, he's pretty smart. All right. Um, this story is a story of failure of character. Uh, on my part which led to a professional failure but then after that failure there's a reordering of priorities with God as number one other people as number two and myself as number three and the results that followed from that the story shows the overall shift of me being inward, inwardly focused to outwardly focused which by the way is the way you should do it all right I was uh, we'll start off with this I was saved at five years old for real five years old. So anybody out there that says that five-year-olds, six-year-olds don't know what's going on or can't understand what it means with God's love and everything else, uh, I I beg to differ. So I'll date myself. That was 1978. So child of the 70s and the 80s, I guess. But um, now I will admit when I was five years old, I maybe didn't quite get all the intricacies of of Jesus, the cross, Holy Spirit, and all that other stuff. But I went to kindergarten through third grade at a Roman Catholic school. We also went to church there, it's called St. Columbus, in uh, Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, The two big things that that school taught me, and they're really the beginning building blocks of my life, was number one, there is a God, and number two, you could and should pray to Him, okay? So brings me to my second point, this is number two, all right. Prayer is very important, okay? I'm going to go through some verses in in the Bible that talk about why prayer is so important. Uh, If I listed all the verses in the Bible that said why prayer was important, then that could probably take us to the next hour at least as just me reading through all those. So I will read through a number of them because it's an important point, but this is not all of them that are in there. You can read it yourself, you you know, that's cool, all right. It's mentioned in the Bible more than any other topic. Prayer is pretty much, it's talking to God. I mean, if you consider God your friend, wouldn't you talk daily to your closest friend? Okay, so you should pray every day. Uh, my life is hard sometimes. I pray more than once a day. Um, I do have it in my routine to pray in the morning and read the, read the Bible in the morning, but uh, uh, I normally play, pray throughout the day just because stuff comes up. Uh, and you don't have to pray just because stuff, stuff comes up. You can pray just thanks as well. Praying is talking to God. Builds a closer relationship with him. He's your friend. You would talk to your friend. You would talk to God. So pray to him, okay? Some verses here, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus okay. 1 John 5.14 this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, that's important he hears us Colossians 4, two. devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful Jeremiah 29.12 then you will call on me and come and pray to me I will listen to you Romans 12.12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction faithful in prayer Mark 11, 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Um, another one here. Let me see here. Matthew 18, 20, Where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Jeremiah 33, 3, you guys know this one. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, when uh, God came down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he, uh, he met Abra- Abraham on the way, and he's like, shall I tell him what's up, what I'm about to do? And the reason he did was because he was a friend of God. He shared his plans with him. If you're a friend of God, he will share his plans with you. So we go through this, we'll show some examples where I was definitely not a friend of God to begin with, but I became a friend of God, and he shared his plans with me. So, good stuff. All right. Psalms 148.18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Psalms 18.6, in my distress I called to the Lord, I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice, my cry cry came before him into his ears. James 8, I'm sorry, James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. This is all about prayer, guys. Matthew 6.6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I don't tell you that I pray every day and read the Word every day just to say, hey, I'm so awesome, pat myself on the back. I'm just telling you that as an example uh, that it gives me great strength uh, to get through the day. John 14.13, and I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. James 1.6, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. John 15.16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Okay. Two more, James 4.2, you desire, you desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You ask God by praying, of course. Last one here, Luke 9.16-17, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them, Then he gave them to disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Everybody knows about the multiplication of food, but that, that all started and it all happened because of prayer. Okay. So we're talking about praying a lot, and I talked about how at St. Columbus they, uh, they taught me to pray, or they told me that praying was good. Uh, I guess one of the things I didn't necessarily like about that I had a second grade teacher that kind of scared the heck out of me. Her name was Sister Lydia. but uh, And I still remember, and she's and she's still there, by the way, from, from what I'm told, but I'm told that she's mellowed out over the years. But um, one of the things I didn't like was she said, you have to pray like this. And they made all these rules like you, you must do the sign of the cross, you must say this as the opening statement, and then you say what you want, and then you say this as the closing statement. Now, I don't think she necessarily thought that in her mind, but... I think she was just kind of teaching children sort of a way to do it. Uh, but, I mean, the spirit inside me, the Holy Spirit inside me, I'm like, really? Like, you know, back to point number one. God's pretty smart, and so if I don't start off with the mandatory opening statement, he's going to be like, well, I, you know, I don't hear you. <laughs> what, did you say something? I missed that, you know. It's so, anyways, that's just a side note. But, So, anyways, I, so I started praying to God at this early age, uh, and I'll tell you why. I mean, a lot, why do we do things sometimes? I mean... We're, we're not perfect people. Uh, there's really, uh, I, mean, I, I submit to you, there's really two emotions. There's love and fear, okay? All the other emotions, those are the primary emotions, and those are what drive you. Everything else is a secondary emotion or comes out of that. Anger, that's not a primary emotion. You're angry because you're afraid, you're mad because somebody made you look bad, you're afraid that you look bad. So it's driven by fear, you know? So. A lot of times we're uh, anxiety-driven, uh, and we're not purpose-driven uh, as people. So we, so at this early age, um, I'm not where I was at, back at five years old that I am today. So I was a little bit anxiety-driven. Um, I started praying to God, you know, when I was five years old, because my home life was not so great for me. I felt oppressed and unloved by my father. Uh, I was expected to comply at all times, no matter what. Uh, he would say he was proud of me and that he loved me, but I wouldn't believe it. Uh, and the reason I wouldn't believe it was because I'd say to myself, how could he, How could he?" Uh, when he would yell at me and hit me with the belt like he did? Uh, so even though he would say that, and maybe he believed in his heart, I, I never felt that or uh, with that. Uh, he would always discipline in anger and not out of love. So I wasn't very close to my father. Uh, I felt rejected by my father. I did feel love for my mom. Uh, she almost always supported my husband, which her husband, which was what I would expect from her, uh, supporting her husband. But by the same token, I knew that uh, anything I had told her would be passed on to my father. And so since I didn't really trust my father, uh, I knew that I buried my feelings so they wouldn't uh, be able to be, be, use those against me. Um, so anyways, uh, not such a great time growing up for me. I don't know. Maybe somebody with a different mentality and uh, got sort of an engineer's mind. I think you're, you, you grow up like that and it's type A personality. Bashing against another type A personality just doesn't work so great. But we'll date myself again here. Does anybody, has anybody remember the, the TV show Happy Days? Do you, you remember, the, you know, the Fonz and, and all that stuff or whatever? Well, what fascinated me about that show and, and some of you guys are like, what's Happy Days? But... Um, <laughs> What what fascinated me about that show was not what you would think. I mean, obviously the flashy character is the Fonz, you know, he's getting all the girls and and all that stuff, and everybody wants to be like the Fonz, right? Uh, it was it was the father in uh, in that show, and um, he, it was it was funny because he he just kind of did his thing. He went to work. He didn't complain. Uh, he was pretty quiet most of the time. Did his thing, and Richie would do stupid stuff, and uh, and he would you know, discipline him, or whatever, and it would seem like it was almost always in love. Uh, and every once in a while, he, he would get kind of angry, but he'd, you know, it'd be reasonable, because he's like, he did this crazy thing. I mean, if I was the father, I'd be like, what the heck are you doing, whatever else. So I was looking at him, and I'm like, I'm like, that's not my father. <laughs> so, I don't know, it, I just felt like, I mean, kids, when they grow up, they just think whatever's going on in their house, that's just the way it is for everybody. But something inside of me is like, you know what, this is not right. Um, And I think it's when God puts His Holy Spirit in each one of you, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. And if something's going that's not right, you know it's not right. Um, So I did forgive my father, but after forgiving my father for about the millionth time, this happened at age five, uh, where he reached the the millionth time, maybe not a million, but the point at which I was like, I had had (laughs) enough. Um, this is kind of sad, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of good in another reason, but so I talked to God, because they told me about praying, and and I said, I don't have a father. He's not taking care of me. I said, God, I want you to be my father, and um, from that day, when I was five years old, leaning against the rectory porch during recess at the St. Columba's, uh, uh, church there, God started talking to me, uh, mostly through dreams and visions. All at the time, I didn't know what a dream or a vision was. I mean, I didn't know what a dream was, but he started talking to me. Um, what better father do you have than, than Jesus, right, and God? So the first vision, the way God talks to me, and it's different for everybody. Uh, it's different as far as because everybody's a different person and what, you know, works with them, and since he made you and he knows everything, he knows the best way to talk to you. And uh, I guess, apparently, he figures this is the best way to talk to me. Uh, he gave me a vision of the future. And it's like, oh, a vision of the future. Tell me about that. Well, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, it was just uh, so I had what I thought was a dream. And I was there, and I was walking down in the mall with my, with my brother, and we're just walking, and we're like, hey, where's grandma? We gotta go find grandma, I think she went somewhere. Uh, and we're walking, we're walking by the fountain in the mall, whatever else. And then grandma's walking out with, with my mom and dad from I don't know, Sears or something, one of the anchor stores. And we're like, hey, how's it going? And, and then the dream ended. What was I thought was a dream. So I don't really think that much of it. But then about three weeks later, uh, went down to Jim Thorpe to visit my grandma. We went up to the Muncie Mall. And uh, so we we're just kind of going around, and we were going to go to the arcade to do something, and we came back. And, and then everything transpired exactly 100% clarity to what I had seen three weeks prior. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool, you know? And at that point, I was like, well, I mean, I had already accepted, um, I mean, I already believed in God and accepted Him. Uh, I think this was just a demonstration to me and proof that God was real and active in my life. Not that He has to give you proof, it comes by belief, you have to believe first. Um, but I just thought that was pretty awesome. I told my parents about it, and uh, they, didn't, they didn't believe me, they're just like, well, that's nice, and uh, you've got quite an imagination there, kid, so great. So anyways, we pressed on. Um, I had another vision, a vision of the future as well, and, and I've had more than this. I, you know, I don't want you guys thinking I have a vision every single night or something like that. I mean, I don't know, maybe over my lifetime maybe there's been about a dozen, but we're only gonna talk about two of them here, two or three, I guess. But um, I was on a Boy Scout camping trip, and I was about 12 years old. Uh, and uh, again, uh, you know, life wasn't so good in my, uh, my home life, and so I felt unloved, and I'm, I was about 12 years old, and I'm like, you know, God, I, um, I really want somebody to love me uh, here on this earth. And uh, so I prayed about my future, my future wife because I felt a lack of love in my house and wanted someone to love me. He showed me what she looked like 10 years prior to marriage. There she is. So I thought that was pretty awesome, too, but, um, and that just shows God's grace and mercy, I think. Okay, you know, I I don't want this to turn into a bashing session on my parents or whatever else. It's, you know, it's, it's not that. They they did some they did some great stuff, you know. They taught me to work hard, um, took care of my physical needs, and exposed me into a lot of different things uh, that life has to offer. My father uh, exposed me to flying at, a, at an early age, when I was about six or seven, I think. Uh, he had been a civilian instructor pilot for many years, and he took, up, took us up on flying on occasion. Uh, Ever since then, I wanted, to, I wanted to fly, ever since I was you know, six, seven years old. Um, I, on the negative side, I think my family also taught me not to trust anybody, and everybody's gonna is out to get you, and to always look, look out for number one. If you don't take care of yourself, watch out for your own interests, then nobody else is, so you better do that. So, um, so I don't know. Those are the big takeaways I had uh, as I was uh, growing up as a teenager and uh, making my way from there. Um, <clears throat> Due to the lack of love I felt in my house, I counted the days and the years until I could leave the house. I felt very oppressed and uh, that story I told you before when I was on the rectory steps at five years old or whatever else, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, gotta, I can't even leave house until I'm done with eighth grade because the school only went up to eighth grade so I just figured you get through eighth grade, you're done. A Couple years later, I figured out there was four more grades after that and I was like, oh, come on. So. So, no, I was, I was tracking it at five years old, uh, the, the timeline, I guess. But um, so anyways, so in 1984, there's a pop- popular movie that came out. It's called Top Gun. So Has anyone seen that movie? Good movie, right? Okay. So do the math there. I was, what, about 11 years old at the time, right? Okay, and you know I already like flying. And so I'm like, so let me get this straight. You mean you can fly really fast and blow stuff up at the same time? And you can get somebody else to pay for it? the military? I'm like, sign me up. that's what I want to do. Now I did weigh the difference between the Navy and the Air Force, so I figured that Air Force was a little bit better just because that was kind of their primary thing versus the Navy is kind of this side thing. So so I kind of vectored myself towards the Air Force uh, in the Air Force Academy since it seemed like the best chance to get a pilot slot. But we'll get to that in a second. But uh, as a teenager, um, so prior to being a teenager, I'm pretty much locked down at my house and I mean, I'm a kid. I'm growing up. I'm I'm with my parents. Um, my house was uh, pretty much the same, as I explained before. Um, it caused me a lot of pain because uh, I buried my feelings. Uh, from time to time, I would have angry outbursts and then reap the consequences uh, just because I couldn't bury them for very much longer. Um, and at a young age, I began to abuse alcohol, curse, and occasionally smoke in an effort to self-medicate my pain away, which I'm not saying as an excuse. I'm just... Tanya, this is a fact. Is what happened. I was trying to fill the hole in my heart that could only be filled with the perfect love of God. Of course, I didn't know it at that point. Colossians three two says, "Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. The things above are, are what's going to ultimately bring happiness, not all this fun stuff that you see on TV. You know, buy this, drink this, do whatever." Proverbs four twenty three. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. All right. So I went to the Air Force Academy in 1991. I was scared about it. I mean, it's really the first time it's like kind of weird, you know. Parents take you to the airport, because we're in Pennsylvania, kind of long for a drive. And they are like, "Well, see you later, you know, and, and there you go. I stuffed my feelings down, but I was willing to put up with it in order to get a pilot slot, and I didn't want to go home. I miss my friends, but not my parents that much. I, I prayed a lot to God to get me through the academy. In fact, I prayed every single day to say thank you for getting me through this day, help me get through the rest of the days here at the Academy. Um, my freshman year, is four years, obviously. Freshman years seem to last as long as the other three years. Um, I don't know if any of you guys know anything about Academy life as a freshman, but they kind of mess with you a little bit. There's a purpose to it, but they, they kind of mess with you a little bit. Uh, freshman year, I rededicated my, my life to God. One of these times where they were messing with me, an upperclassman was giving me a hard time because of my lack of knowledge. Uh, they gave you this little book. Like this, you read it. You're supposed to not just do this; you're supposed to actually read it and understand what it says. And they ask you questions on it. So uh, he was quizzing me on my lack of uh, my knowledge on military aircraft, and it wasn't up to standards. Um, And so he's giving me a hard time about that. So I prayed to God about it, and uh, oddly enough, the problem resolved itself the very next day. Uh, I did study. It's kind of the way this works: is you do your part, God will do His part as well. And uh, I was able to get that guy off my back. My whole freshman year, I was trying to stay under the radar, not be too good or too bad, kind of stay in the middle and stay out of the sights of everybody else, which is not necessarily the way to do things um, when you're trying to work for God. You shouldn't be worried about, well, I just want to try to be invisible. But uh, that's the way I decided to deal with it at that point. All right. Like the children of Israel, when things got better, they turned away from the Lord. and They're like, Ah, we can do this ourselves. Okay. So after freshman year and everything else, during my junior year... When I got some freedom, I started doing the partying thing again, doing things I shouldn't have done. Here's the odd part. There's an interesting story here. So during the ju- my junior year at the Air Force Academy Roman Catholic Church, it's, uh, the Roman Catholic uh, part of the church is underneath there, the Protestants on top there. Uh, after a standard weekend night of partying, it didn't seem right in my soul what I was doing, but I didn't know what else to do. I was pretty stressed at school. Um, so I asked God, I said, is this all that life is about? work hard, play hard, repeat, and then and then you die? Is that it? Immediately, after praying this, I fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit." This is the first time this had ever happened to me, so I didn't really know what was going on. I had a vision of descending into hell, falling down a never-ending uh, spinning funnel of fire. While this was happening, I found out later I was speaking in tongues, this was the first time for this too, uh, in this Roman Catholic Church, it's really freaked me out because Never happened before, and my friends and everybody else. So I think God answered me there that maybe what I was doing wasn't such a good idea. However, like before, we go with the, uh, the normal. They said I fainted due to being dehydrated, gave me some water, and uh, I believe them that that's all it was. And uh, I didn't know what speaking in tongues was, anyways. I didn't put these pieces together until I took the Art of Hearing God 101 class that Doug taught about 11 years later, finally figured out what all this was about. So good stuff. We didn't really talk about that too much in my other church. Anyways, uh, going through the academy, I got my wish. I got my pilot slot. About five weeks before graduation, I met someone special. Her name was Delana, and she looked familiar, she Looked a little familiar. I might have seen her somewhere else. Uh, We got married during my first assignment at Shepherd Air Force Base, which is in Wichita Falls, Texas, in pilot training. My parents were concerned that she would cause me to fail out of pilot training. Uh, That didn't happen though, so so that was good. So from there, we'll kind of fast forward a little bit. Uh, Columbus for uh, for fighter lead-in training, Uh, Luke Air Force Base to basic training for the F-16, then Misawa Air Base, Japan, uh, to fly operational, the F-16 over there, the Block 50s, the harm shooters. Uh, And so at that point, I had pretty much achieved what I wanted to achieve. I was a fighter pilot, and I was qualified. I was doing stuff. I ended up being a four-ship flight lead, being in charge of myself, plus three other airplanes. Thought it was pretty cool, and I thought I was pretty awesome, (laughs) you know? I'm like, this is all about me. And uh, I remember telling Delana a number of times that, well, you know what, my career comes first, and you're just gonna have to support me, and that's the way it is. And, you know, if I have to do long hours or get deployed for a while, well, too bad. You gotta suck it up. So, because stuff this stuff's important, so sorry. This what you, you, you said yes, you said I do, so here you go. So, it brings me to my third point. My third point is pride is bad. Okay, you write that down. Pride is bad. If you didn't notice, this is kind of prideful, right? And arrogant. So, pride is bad. The Bible talks a lot about prayer, it talks a lot about pride too. So, go through these. Proverbs eleven two. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble uh, is wisdom. Proverbs 16.5, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. That's pretty bad. He, assured, he Be assured he will not go unpunished. So you see the punishment's coming. Proverbs 29.23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Galatians 6.3, for if, for if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Proverbs 27, 2, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Proverbs 26, 12, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than him. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Jeremiah 9, 23, thus say the Lord, says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Not... Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Philippians 2.3, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. First John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, and pride and possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Romans 12.16, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. There's a lot of them here, a couple more. 1 Corinthians 13.4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Proverbs 25.27, it is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. Proverbs 12.15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So, and that's not all the verses, but that's some of them that talk about what do we say? Number three, pride is bad, right? God says so. He's smarter than you. He knows that's right, okay? So uh, I was feeling pretty good about myself because I was pretty awesome at the time. So um, we went to Fly Predator in Las Vegas. Uh, we did that assignment from June of 2000 to December of 03. At that time, Colin and Paige were born in Las Vegas. Uh, and it was a key time of innovation for I'll be calling these things RPAs, remotely piloted aircraft, okay? Just think of something that you're not actually in. It was a key time for innovation for a remotely piloted aircraft or RPAs. During this assignment, my pride reached its height, okay? Proverbs 27:21. the crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold, and each is tested, this is important, and each is tested by the praise accorded him or praise given him. Man is tested by the praise he receives, so I was given all kinds of praise, and I'll tell you specifically one thing. And guess what, I failed, okay? The praise that I received, we, I did a lot of interesting things. A lot of it was just because I had the appropriate security clearance. I was the only fighter guy there, and I'm and the guy not on leave. So like, who's gonna do this? Uh, well, we got two guys. Well, those two guys. So um, it worked out. The uh, What I'm gonna tell you about is uh, um, this thing that's still on my promotion recommendation forms or whatever else, kind of an interesting thing that we did. The, um, it's really, I, and I, I talked to the new guys in my squadron about this, and it's a secret brief and I talk about all the tactical details. But I started off with saying, hey look, I'm going to tell you all this cool stuff and tactical details, but it's really just a, a story of failure of character, and it's a story of the first air-to-air engagement between an RPA and a man-fighter, okay? and based on the way it happened with timing and everything else, I was able to do that. So this is uh, the pre-flight cover of the Stinger missile, uh, which was the first shot that we took uh, when there was a Iraqi MIG that came up to to engage us, and this was in December of 2002. So this was the first of three shots, actually, but we won't get into that. But um, so it was the first time that a remotely piloted aircraft had fired an air-to-air missile at another manned airplane. Kind of a big deal. So anyways, so I told that story to the air combat commander, uh, um, the ACC commander. He's a four-star general. And because of that, myself and my crew, we had lunch with the secretary of the Air Force and the chief of staff of the Air Force. They came up to Indian Springs and had lunch with us. That was pretty interesting. But after all that, it felt empty. I felt like Solomon after he had done everything and amassed so much. I'm like, and okay, now what? October 2003, I prayed to God as I was walking out to the ground control station at Predator to tail number 52, going back to the F-16, two kids, more responsibility, wasn't sure how I was going to handle all of it. So I said, you know what, God, can you fix that for me? I had a vision of the number, it was weird, just the number 1111 that spoke transition. I didn't know what that meant. A couple weeks later, I went to the centrifuge, almost washed out of the centrifuge where you spin around and they pull you up to 9 Gs and it hurts really bad because I needed that to go back to the F-16. Almost washed out, but made it through, and then ended up washing out of the F-16. Um, we had already bought a house in Layton, Utah, because we were expected to go there. Um, and the very day after we closed on the house, we p- had to put it back on the market, and we ended up losing about $20,000. Uh, through all this, they said they had an open and shut case to take my wings away. Obviously, you know, I was, wanted to fly, and that was my whole thing forever. Um, but it worked out, seven and a half months of waiting. Uh, during that time, and I would say that was probably, that was the fall, in case you didn't figure it out, that was the fall uh, where they're going to take my wings in ways. Um, and and I, I feel bad about this, being the leader of my family, being so blinded, not knowing what was going on, but that's why we have good wives out there. So my wife, Delana, said, hey, we should go back to church. She felt led to go back to church and so she pulled out the phone book and uh, was led to go to the Vineyard Church of Northwest Phoenix and that's when we started going to Vineyard. So that was the turning point. It's not about works but it's where your heart is and where your heart is then the works come from there. Start, uh, DeLana started working at the food bank. I went on a mission trip to Mexico to help out. I started going to a small group. Our leaders were, had a, were kind of a biblical approach to money. We start tithing, uh, which is saying something when we're paying rent, we're paying on a mortgage on a house we'll never live in. The house wasn't selling, uh, and every month uh, we were going about a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars more in debt as it was going through. Uh, and if the situation wouldn't have resolved itself in September of '04, uh, we would have had to start running up the credit cards because at that point uh, we had used up all the all the money we had. There was some spiritual warfare with us deciding to turn towards God. Delon talked in her other um, message about falling with Paige uh, while she was running in there during a dust storm, uh, getting jacked up by the cops at the front gate at uh, Luke Air Force Base when it wasn't her fault. It'd be one thing if you did something wrong. But uh, she didn't do anything wrong and she got singled out. Uh, For me, being treated like a leopard, for real, in the food court, all these guys, my F-16 bros, they knew me, and they knew what was going on, and they'd be like, and they kind of walked the other way. Uh, Because, and I don't know, they weren't all bad guys. I think it's just like, it's an uncomfortable situation for somebody. It's like, if they go talk to you and talk about something else, they know that they really are avoiding the white elephant and the big elephant in the room, so they just don't know what to say, so they just walk away, which is difficult. We came to Barksdale in September of '04, the first time. Uh, it was a time of healing and continual growth. I grew closer to God uh, uh, And it was uh, you know, met Doug and a lot of y'all that are in the off uh, the audience here, and it was a great time for us to kind of rebuild uh, our life that had been smashed, but it was my fault that it was been smashed. so Um, Had a lot of private victories and then some public ones. Upgraded to aircraft commander, instructor pilot, evaluator pilot, assistant director of operations in record time and got sent to a highly sought after joint staff assignment in Omaha, Nebraska. And promoted to Lieutenant Colonel while I was up there. So it worked out. Uh, Up there in Omaha, all this stuff I had done prior was just about flying airplanes at the squadron level. Uh, Now I was doing something different, working headquarters staff level paper pushing work. And it was quite a growth, a growing period of time for me. It was very painful, but uh, necessary learning for the job I would do next. And so it was in God's plan to prepare me for the job as second in command of the operational support squadron, and then uh, in command here of the 11th Bomb Squadron, uh, in charge of about 120 people. Took over that position uh, July of 2013, and I'm coming up on two years, and I didn't get fired, so <laughs> they got something else lined up for me now. While we are here, of course, Caleb was born in September of uh, 2011. Um, I told you about this, uh, this stinger thing, I talk to every new class, I, I give that brief and tell them about my, uh, the extreme importance of character and the failure of character that, that I experienced. Um, and it's not to brag on myself, it's to basically say, learn from my mistakes. Here's the big point, that we serve a big God. So. I washed out of the F-16 formal training unit, and now I'm the commander of the B-52 formal training unit. Who else but God could make that happen? Uh, FTU washout being in charge of the FTU at the uh, the schoolhouse, essentially uh, here at the B-52, B-52. Item number four, which we already kind of hit on, your reputation slash character is one of your most valuable assets. I would agree; it's your most valuable asset. But I'll leave it open there a little bit. Proverbs 21.1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Ecclesiastes 7, one: a good name is better than precious ointment. Uh, so how do you better your character? Become more like his son Jesus, really. Make your relationship with God better. Pray, read God's word every day. Practice God's mission-type orders. What it says in the book, go ahead and do that. Walk it out. See the blessings that follow. It will not. It will not always be easy, uh, but it is right. But it is the right and perfect thing to do. Many times it will be a sacrifice, but remember, a sacrifice is not a sacrifice if it costs you nothing. Second Samuel twenty four twenty four. However, the king said, "I, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. For I am not. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing." So David uh, bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. Sacrifice is supposed to cost you something. That's how you know it's a sacrifice. Uh, Let me close with this final point here. Okay, so let's go back to our original question, right? Why did God stand by me during all my rebellion, sin, and continually turning away from him? And like I said, by the way, I'm still trying my best, but I'm still messing things up with great regularity because, point five, That's the most important one. It goes back to the title, what we're talking about. God loves you. God loves me. That's why I did for me. And he loves you. He loves you guys with a furious love. It's not just this casual love. Everybody throws that term around, oh, love, whatever. It's it's crazy. It's ridiculous. He sent his son to die for us. It's a jealous love. He doesn't like it when you put something else above him. That's an idol. Uh, He loves you with a furious love. As you can imagine there's a number of verses that talk about God's love because it's a very central part of the bible since we're low on time i do have about 3 pages of them i'll we'll talk to you later about it but i'm going to continue to move on i'll give, go through just a couple here but 1 john 4:10 in this love in this is love that we have loved god but that not that we have loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appeasement for our sins but God, and then Romans eight five eight. but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Of course, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I'm going to press ahead, but I literally have about 20 of these verses that talk about God's love because that's a key point in the Bible as well. Let's do Romans 8, 35, 39. You've heard this before. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, we're about to conclude here. God loves you and me, which I'm glad, me too, with a furious love. And he thinks... You're in his image, okay? in God's image, the perfect being that's out there. He thinks you're beautiful on the inside and out, and here's the deal. These are, these are just facts, so you, know, you just got to deal with it. This is what the truth is. He loves you with a furious love, and he thinks you're beautiful on the inside and out. Um, and with that, I just want to play something here for you guys. Maybe some of you have heard this, uh, but then after this song, I'll, I'll say a few comments and we'll conclude. So listen up. Each and every one of you, you are worthy of God's furious love. Why do we have a hard time believing this? It's because of the shame, that we have, the shame that we have in our hearts and what we've done, sins we've committed. Because we feel we don't deserve his love. But he gives it to us anyways. It's the grace and gift of God. You're all worthy of God's furious love. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. If, any, if anyone wants to talk to God afterwards? That's praying. Uh, I'll be up here, uh, or we'll find somebody else next to you uh, that can agree with you in prayer. So now, go out and give what has been given to you, God's furious love. Spread the love of God to all you meet. Thanks for your attention. God bless you guys.